was around to see Jerusalem fall to the nation of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. And he's here to look at the nations that are remaining after Judah is taken away. And particularly tonight, the nation of Edom. Quick review. Where did Edom come from? Who's Edom? Esau. Who is Esau? Who is Esau? He's got a brother. Jacob. And you, I think you, you recall the... Pardon? Isaac was his father. Yep. Um, you probably recall the narrative on Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the deceiver. Edom gave up his birthright. And their intermingling was not a happy situation. Uh, Jacob fled for his life thinking Edom was going to kill him. Stayed away for a long time. When he came back, he still thought Edom was going to come and kill him. So he brought a lot of gifts with him. But they never really meshed. At best, I think they were tolerating each other. And like most of the other countries around Judah, uh, Edom continued on the path of being more and more against Israel, Judah. And this evening we'll look at how bad Edom was and what happened to them after Judah was taken away. I can use some readers tonight if you want to. Uh, when you get tired of reading, I'll finish up. Again, we're going to look at all 21 verses. Someone want to start us off in verses 1 to 3? Brother Dave? As you can see from verses 1 and 2, Lord, through Obadiah, is coming with all guns out right from the start, not even a preface. I'm out to get you. And we'll be looking at the sins of Edom. And we see the first one in verse number 3, which is what? Pride. How many have fallen by pride over and over and over and over again? They lived just to the east of the nation of Judah and their habitation, their capital city was up in the rocks. They felt secure. They thought that was their protection. Nobody could touch them up there. They were sort of the eagle looking down on everybody else and they became prideful. Their capital, I got from my reading, was a place called Sela, S-E-L-A, approximately 50 miles south of the Dead Sea and then over to the east a bit. Verses 4 to 6. Ms. Kelly? Well, that, uh, those who 
Verse number four, again, same theme of pride. But at the end of the verse, who's in charge of what is happening? Is it another nation? Is it, uh, who is it? It's God, the Lord God. And verse five, indicating that the country is going to be cleaned out. Nothing's going to be left, no residue for anybody. And verse six, things are going to be found. Nothing's going to hide from the Lord. Verses seven to nine, who'd like to read that? Brother Dave. Verse, verse 7 is a look at the confederacy of nations that joined together with Edom and indicates that they turned on Edom at the end. Edom thought they were secure in making alliances with the various peoples around them. They turned against Edom as well. Verse 8, wise men are going to be destroyed. And it starts talking about verse 8 and verse 9, the Mount of Esau, and again indicating that they're up in a higher elevation than everybody else. You know, Jerusalem was also talked about as being above. You always went up to Jerusalem. Edom was up as well. And again, back to verse 3 and 4, uh, part of the nature of where, where their pride came from. Verses 10 to 12. I'll read that. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates, and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Whole listing of Edom's sin. Starting in verse 12 there. Treating, treating his own brother like a stranger rejoicing over the destruction of Judah. They spoke proudly in the day of Judah's distress. <clears throat> they were part of the group that went into the gates to do spoiling of the wealth of Judah and Jerusalem. They looked upon what happened in the day of calamity and didn't help. And then to put even a worse slant on everything, they they took what they could, just like everybody else did, coming to grab what was left. And it continues even more. 
let's look at 13, let's see, I went down to, yeah, let's go 13 to 15. Miss Kelly. And 15, yes, please. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou, as thou hast done, it shall be done unto you. Thee, thy reward, shall return upon thy own head. All right, so not only did they stand back and offer no help, but they offered more pain. And verse 14, they those people in Jerusalem and Judah who tried to escape what came upon them. When Edom saw them coming, they either blocked their way or prevented them from escaping. And any that they caught, they delivered them up personally to the invading forces. So not, not a very nice way for a brother to treat his brother in the time of calamity. The Lord is not happy. Verse 15, again, talking about that phrase, the day of the Lord. We've seen this many times before. Again, it's a duality. Most times in the Old Testament, judgment will come first. And following that, there'll be a restoration and the blessings return. So we're looking at the sins of Edom. Judgment's going to come. Uh, but again, like most of the books of prophecy, we'll see the second part in a moment. Verse 15, again, this is also a theme that we see much in the Old Testament. These nations were cruel to one another, oftentimes incredibly cruel and vicious, and they did it because they could get away with it, and it gave them a something to boast about among their own evil friends in the area. Don't ever mess with me. Look what I did to so-and-so. I'll do it to you if you come against me. So they would do this over and over, nation upon nation, uh, just cruel with one another. But the Lord, in, in his righteous anger, as we see in verse 15, tells the nation of Edom, as you have done to others, so am I going to now do to you. So you're going to get your just desserts. You were cruel. It's going to seem cruel coming against you as well. Verses 16 to 18. Miss Cindy.
right, starting in verse 16. Where's the holy mountain in verse 16? What are we talking about? We're talking about Jerusalem. Where particularly in Jerusalem are we talking about? Temple region, yeah. That's his holy mountain. It's holy, again, not for what man does. It's holy because that's where God was. And he makes things holy. So the heathen, Edom, went up into that area of Jerusalem and did their dirty work. God had used the nation of Babylon as his servant to do judgment upon Judah, but, Judah went, but uh, Babylon went too far. They desecrated the temple. They pillaged the holy area of the temple and took the stuff away. And they went too far as far as what they did in judgment against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And Edom here joined in them. So this phrasing about what you drank against my holy mountain, now you're going to drink what I give you. So again, it's this what you did to my people now is going to happen to you. And verse 17 is, is the start of the second part of the day of the Lord after Judah and Jerusalem are dealt with. For how many years are they off in captivity? 70 years. And who brought them back? Or who allowed them to come back? Persian? Cyrus? God led Cyrus to allow the people to come back. When that occurs, when the people return, Verse 17, these events start to happen. Again, Mount Zion, the temple region of Jerusalem. There'll be deliverance there. It'll be holy again. The house of Jacob will possess what they were given by God again. The house of Jacob would be a fire. The house of Joseph, a flame. And who are they going to burn up? Esau and Edom. And there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for the Lord hath spoken it. What God says happens, and there's no doubt that that happened to the nation of Esau. All right, almost done, verses 19 to 21. Someone want to finish this up? Brother Dave again. Just a look there in verses 19 and 20 of all the bits of land of Israel and Judah that the nations around them gobbled up as things occurred. As Judah, as Israel declined, as their power waned, these nations would come in along with the major powers. Remember, Assyria came down from the north to take away Israel. Babylon came in from the northeast to take out Judah. As these forces came on, these other nations would come in and gobble what they wanted. And all these areas will be returned back to God's people. 
in the end. And when we look at verse 21, about saviors coming up upon Mount Zion to do judging, and then the kingdom shall be the Lord's, that's still to come. Uh, Israel may be there, but it's certainly not serving the Lord as, as they should. So that's going way off into the future. But that's the blessing that the people had to look forward to. The remnant that made it through all these difficulties had something hopeful that they knew would happen to look forward to. Not their generation, not the next generation, but way, way down the line, God remembers them and restores everything back. So there's Obadiah, short but quite to the point. Blessings for Judah, for Israel at the end, judgment for Edom before. Any comments, questions on this, Brother Dave? Yeah. Well, that's again pointing back to Edom. That's kind of the conclusion of the story which happened to Edom. Um, I think it's just a summary of what we just read about in the middle of the chapter, all the things that would happen to Edom because of their sin. It's also this comparison of the Mount of Zion versus the Mount of Esau. The Mount of Esau tried to elevate themselves above the Mount of Zion in their pride. As they are taken down a few notches finally to be destroyed, Mount Zion gains the preeminence. They have judged Edom, Mount Esau, and their judgment was annihilation. According to this, yep, their destruction was supposed to be complete. 